Wow. And nobody gets hurt. And n- most times. Yeah. Well, we never released that episode, so. <laughs> so, welcome back to the podcast. Um, we've been talking a lot lately about video games. Yeah. So, today, we're going to get back a little bit to some of the roots of some of our other stuff. Yeah. Analog, baby. But before we dive in, analog. Analog. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's been my new thing lately. Because, like, in sound, you say, Bing. like, analog versus digital. But now, anytime there's a digital version of anything, I just say the analog version. Like, hmm. I was reading a book on Kindle. And uh, I heard analog. So oh, I just imagine, no. like, we're going to talk about everything and also a log. Yeah. So. There's probably a game you could make with a log. There's probably games in all logs. Yeah. Such as Catan. Yeah. Anyways, uh, but we always start off with what are what are we playing? Yeah. So Chris, what are you playing? I, I will say though, the first thirteen episodes we didn't start off with what are you playing? Look, the first thirteen episodes, maybe we have to hide them from the general public. <laughs> I think it would help our viewership because we our viewership, well, listenership, our listenership, because like episode twenty five does really well. And, like, I also think that perhaps some of the other episodes would do better, but, like, episode one is our most listened to one. Yeah. I'm worried that people just turn on episode one and they're like, who are these guys? Who do they think they are? Yeah. Which is just not fair because we are new to the game. Yeah. We said um a lot back there. It's true. Then. We still do. Back there. Depends on your view of time. Yeah. Is it linear or is it? A series of places. I think it's soup. You think time is soup? Yeah. Like alphabet soup? Maybe, but like with some extra symbols. Potato soup. Potato soup is delicious. Anyways, Chris, what are you playing? No, no, hold on. Do you prefer your potato soup with a milky base or like some kind of meat broth? I've never had a potato soup with a meat broth. They're always milky base, right? They are? Okay. I didn't know if that was just all the ones I'd had. I guess it would be more of a stew. I mean, having potatoes in soup does not equate it to potato soup. That's true, yeah. Hi, Scooby. Well, Dog. We'll fix that in post. We won't. Because um, there's nothing to fix. Scooby is a precious angel. Yes, and all 38 of his cog pats. What? Huh? We both just took naps, by the way, which is why we're a little tired. Um, but yeah, what are you playing? Nate, why don't you go first so oh, I have time to wake up? I'm going first. That's not fair. I yeah. asked you first. I know, but I turned the tables. Um, oh, how the turntables have turned. Man, I just... Other than, than, you know, probably the same thing I was playing last time, which... Boils down to Valorant. Been enjoying that. Mm-hmm. Genshin Impact a little bit when yeah. I can. Um, it's been busier since work started up, and then um, and then uh, some raft with the boys. Raft the boys. boys, nice. Um, our raft is getting very large. Um, I'm proud of you. Yeah, we're doing it in the the new update, so there's some like new things, but. Um, we're still on some of the earlier islands, which are kind of review for our, most of our crew anyways. Yeah. And then the other people who we've invited who aren't part of the main crew uh, just never make it to our regularly scheduled times. So. It's true. Or else they'd be part of the regular crew. It almost feels like a D&D campaign in that <laughs> sense. Yeah. Um, or you have like the people who actually play, and then you have the people who like, Stop like oh, I'll play, and then they like... Make it to two sessions. Yeah. So. What's wrong um, with that? Yeah, I've just been playing those. Um, I think. How how many rooms does your raft have? How many rooms? Yeah. Uh, we've got two floors. We two floors. We don't use walls. Oh. We're wall wall agnostic. 
Okay. Um, I hope to add more floors. I feel like I'm learning things about you right now. <laughs> um, so, so one, um, we may we may add and decorate walls in the future. One of the big limiting factors in the game is wood, mm-hmm. and so using wood for decorative purse- purposes versus expansion purposes just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and so it's like we either need to use it for industry. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, fuel fueling fires yeah, or for expansion. So we have more space to put more industry. You know? Yeah. Um, you should put one room on the raft. Um, we, we, we do have one room. Oh yeah. And it is literally, it's like, it's four walls and a door, yeah. three walls and a door. As most rooms tend to be. No, but like little single square walls of yeah. the raft. And has a single container in there that one of our party members is trying to fill entirely with vine goo. Okay. Um, because you can um, get seaweed and cook it to make vine goo, and he just wants to fill a chest full of it. Sure. So um, we have not filled that chest yet, mostly yeah. because limitations of wood. It takes a long time to cook all that. Yeah. And there's other higher priority items to cook. Yeah. But we have filled over one. There's small chests and large chests. The vine goo chest is small. We filled an entire large chest of uncooked potatoes. Nice. By just growing them. So nice. Shout out to our our two farmer farmer guys. Yeah. Who've done that. Those are it's the retirement goo they're making. Um, well, no, that's retirement potatoes. Well, I mean, but like I was thinking of the goo. Oh, so we've got. One person focused on goo, two people focused on <laughs> potatoes, and one of us trying to keep the raft alive and moving. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, that's how it goes. Yeah, um, it, nice. it's it's just like a really fun and unique experience because, unlike some other survival crafters. Very few times are you apart from each other for yeah, and even when you are, I was gonna say it like super far. Apart. It's a game type that like forces you to be in the same place a lot of the time. Yeah, it's like, um, I mean, if you played Minecraft, people could like make different houses and stuff. It's like, yeah. but you don't get to make a second raft. You get a you get to live You're on a, our raft. Yeah, it's the and raft. So, um, you know, people do take on roles, which is fun and entertaining, but also like. People make decisions about the raft and how things are going to go. Yeah. So, no, that's how it goes. Yeah. But it, it is funny because living in such a small space in the game, obviously. Yeah. Um, you have to make all these um, decisions and enhancements and stuff. But there's times when it's like, I have no idea what the other people are doing to right. progress things. Yeah. Now, I will say I'm normally the technology guy on the raft, so yeah. I have a good idea of most things. Yeah. But, like, definitely our farmer is, like, I do farming things. Like, I don't know what's going on over there. It's yeah. going on over there, but simple farmer over here. That's kind of as an aside. It's one of my favorite things, working a big loadout. So, like, after a show finishes, everyone's tearing down, mm-hmm. and you'll you'll be, like, working on your one thing. Like, maybe you're helping mm-hmm. take down a, a, a hang of speakers on one mm-hmm. side, and you're, like, doing that for a while, and you're like, oh, my gosh, there's so much show to take down. And then you finish your little task, and everyone else has done, like, their little task, mm-hmm. which is not little at all. And then you're like, oh, wow, we're, like, all super, super accomplished. I love I, that, like, teamwork aspect. I remember, like... Seeing that a lot in a Let's Play series playing through a Minecraft mod called yeah. Sky Factory. Yeah. Where everyone kind of took on their own job. And, like, one guy was – his only thing was making chickens. But the mod allowed you to, like, breed different element old chickens. Like, they could yeah. produce different blocks. And it was so funny because other people would be doing, like, this crazy science. But then they get to this point where it's like, oh, do we have this resource? And he's like, I got, the, I got a chicken for that. <laughs> and it was like <laughs> – it was kind of funny because it was, you know, the joke was, oh, he's just the farmer guy who's over there doing his own farmer thing. But it was remarkable how often all of a sudden people would get to this point where it's like, we need this resource. And if we did it through one of the other, because it's a it's an, um, a, a whole bunch of mods shoved together. Yeah. So that's one of the things that impacts Yeah, I'm familiar with like, yeah, because like you get, you get to these bottlenecks where they have to, um, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's. 
there's mods and you like produce things and then you usually get to a bottleneck where you need like way too much of an item to like progress to the next kind of tier. Mm -hmm. So you have to like figure out a way to make it with the tech you have. And so in Sky Factory, it's chickens apparently. Well, I think what happens there is a lot of the other mods have these natural bottlenecks that tell you, oh, hey, you need to maybe go back and do some automation or something. And then all of a sudden it's like, magically the chicken farmer guy is like, nah, I, I got a shortcut to that. I got yeah. the, the thing you need, which allows them to like speed up the process quite a bit. Yeah. Um, totally. And totally underappreciated when everyone has like God armor and is repeatedly killing the ender dragon and he's sitting over there just like farming chickens, but then they'll be like, okay, the next thing we need for this is like this. And he's like, well, I got that for you. Yeah. And it's like, and it's funny. So, yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. So that obviously that relates yeah. back to Wrath. Jobs. And then yeah. in Valorant, it's good. I we talked about it ad nauseum a little bit ago. I feel like yeah. um, it's a fun first person shooter. I interestingly enough, I ran into someone who's like, "Oh yeah, I was I used to be on a team for." Uh, or a, a clan for Counter Strike. Oh yeah. Online, and he said he got kicked out of the clan for turning on. Um, there was a lot more built-in hacks back in the day, but it was turning on like no clip and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and then the, the some of the other clan members reported him to clan leadership. Oh yeah. Because he had mod privileges, and they're like, we don't like that he's turning on no clip. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Yeah. And then I was like, you should play Valorant. He's like, if I get back in know that i can make it back out <laughs> so that's funny um yeah i mean nice. that's why i'm playing yeah what about you what you about? have a D campaign yes i think tomorrow is going to be the pen ultimate session if not the final session um so that's exciting i gotta come up with a close i've been working on modifying individual stat blocks into like kind of mob stat blocks so I'm combining them with the swarm monsters. If you're mm-hmm. familiar, there's like in the game, there's swarms of rats or swarms of spiders. And there's still like an actual rat stat block. So I kind of looked at the differences between the two. And I'm using that to make like, they have like a kobold tribe. That's The players have a kobold tribe that they rescue mm-hmm. that's going to help them. And they have some they have some mercenaries that they hired. So mm-hmm. just like I'm modding those because they have like a small, not really an army, but like a maybe a very small army that's going to help them attack mm-hmm. the uh, final boss so okay. yeah so that's been that and then i've been playing some more elden ring took a hiatus from that and then i uh started again i respect my character into pure arcane which is just a stat and then i have weapons that scale only off of arcane which is kind of rare in that game usually weapons have like two or three things they scale off of but pure arcane has been uh pretty fun i just killed the uh boss in the mountaintop of giants so so you took a game that is about about like intense melee combat and dodge rolling and you're like how can i be as wizard as possible no that's actually intelligence builds arcane is um it it's interesting because from a game design standpoint we have these preconceived notions based on the games we've played of like what a stat would be mm. but like if i told you like if i had you guess what arcane was i don't think you'd get it um it's uh yeah it's it's just weird there's usually like in the world building of those games there's like an eldritch horror element um and arcane is is kind of based on that but it's like ancient knowledge i guess like corruption or or yeah knowledge yeah it's interesting because because that's from soft and like from soft is is a Japanese gaming company designing games about like American themes, like fantasy, but like it well, feels very different. I wouldn't say that fantasy is wholly American, but well, no, but but it definitely is leaning towards a Western fantasy. Yeah, yeah, like like knights and dragons and stuff. Yeah, but they also honestly like a lot of their character designs super creepy. Oh yeah, uh, not a fan. But that's oh yeah. That's not to disparage the game. It's just my least favorite enemies are these gigantic hands that have like way too many fingers and um, attack you, and they act like spiders. 
And then when you kill them, they, like, roll over and die and make these weird hissing sounds. I saw a clip of some really deformed dogs where their heads are just, like, too giant for their little bodies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think those guys are funny. It's it's weird, though, because my roommate thinks the hands are, like, the funniest monsters, and I hate them. And then, like, other people will have things they can't stand. and Yeah. There's, there's a lot of weird stuff in that game. But, yeah, I've been playing that. Um... D&D, getting close to the end there. We played a little bit of Magic the other day for the yeah, first time in forever. Yeah, we drafted. That was fun. I won. I'm getting more. Yes, Nate won. But Chris Too is low. getting better. Yeah, I'm getting more. More importantly to me, I'm having. I'm getting more comfortable with it and having more fun with it. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's Well, nice. you're making better decisions in the flow of the game. I think. Yeah. Too. Which is like an important step. There, it's so interesting because um, every card game kind of has two decision points that are important. One is um, deck building, crafting yeah. decisions. And then the other one is play decisions. Like when you have the resources in hand what do you and do? you have certain goals and conflicts yeah. and stuff. So that was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. So. Um, so cool. And um, you know what I haven't played lately that I want to play more of? What's that? Board games. Board games? Which is our primary discussion for today. Wait, what? What? What a coincidence. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, slap two wheels on it and call me a segue. Um, that was dumb. That <laughs> I liked dumb. it. That was a good dumb, though. Um... So, yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to play board games. Um, I've recently moved, um, which is why we are recording in a basement and why there might be new and fresh sounds that the podcast has never had before. Well, just different sounds. I wouldn't call them fresh. They are new. They're new to the podcast. Yeah. Which makes them fresh, like Subway. Mm. Have you been to Subway? Is it really fresh? No. (laughs) (laughs) I rest my case. Um... So anyways, uh, I'm just reflecting on board games. Yeah. On like, one of the things I love about board games is, um, and one of the, I've, I've played around a little bit in my head, um, never really gotten around to doing any official games that are my own, except for a few video games back in college. Yeah. But I have deliberated ad nauseum in my head about video games I would one day design or card games I would one day design, but I've never had a passion for board games. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say you're bored no, with them? Yeah. Um, I, and I've, I have participated in actual design for RPGs, right? Yeah. I've written my own system. I've made modifications to other systems. You've play-tested. Uh, I've, I've play-tested some RPGs. I've play-tested a card game, which is now official... Which, um, I think I can give the name of that, um, and I might be a little bit off on this, but it's called... Dr. Trans Peanut Butter Square Hula Quest? No. Is that a game? That sounds like the Spongebob one. The the Mr. Krabs... The, uh, animators who made it, I think Happy Tree Friends also did this show called Dr. Tran, and, or not a show, but, like, they, they did some... They created this character in a universe, and it's like this little like Asian boy or something. And then there's like this deep voiced action movie announcer who's like always like essentially talking about Doctor Tran and selling him like he's this huge action hero, and he's like this five year old kid. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I was watching the videos again. <laughs> it's um, ridiculous. Where was I? Oh, um, uh, um, things I've designed. Yes, and you were trying to think of a game name, and then I said Dr. Trans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I think it's Seven Seas City of Five Nations or something. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little rusty on it. It's a living card game. Um, I, I know personally one of the lead designers on it, so... Mm-hmm. Um, Anyways, 
Um, so I've, I've done some of that, but I've never really done a ton. I did play test like one board game, but, um, I've never really got done a ton in board games. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the things I appreciate about board games, and I will, I will posit this, this is my yeah theory on board games. Okay. I don't think this is definitive is that board games are the purest form of game design. But you have to have a really good idea of like the complete vision of a board game to start to design. So, so my first question is, what do you mean by pure? Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say because other games can sometimes try and um, find um, other things that they can highlight. So, for example, you can have a video game that also has, like, a really good aesthetic, maybe a really strong storyline. Mm-hmm. A card game has a lot of ways to mitigate when there's bad design decisions. So, for example, if I'm playing Magic and there's a bad card, I don't have to put it in my deck, right? Sure. Um, there's kind of some built-in protections. And, and, like, also, you can learn over the years and change things, right? Yeah. On an RPG, if something is bad, I can just change it as a DM. But normally, when you go to play a board game, you're following the rules of the board game. It's important for everyone to have the same baseline because you're trying to compete against each other, right? Mm-hmm. And changing the rules changes things fundamentally. This can go back to Monopoly, right? If yeah. you think of Monopoly as the game that everyone maligns for taking forever because they add their own house rules that aren't in the rule book that cause it to go longer. Yeah. Um, then it's like, oh, well, there. It makes a lot of sense why people don't want to play. You know, for a game we kind of poop on a lot, we, like, talk about it a lot. We should play it one day. <laughs> we, we, um, I mean, it was a while ago, but we did sit down yeah, and play it. I remember. Um, a few years back. Yeah. With a friend. Uh, he reached out to us and he says, hey, we should do it. Live I don't even remember if the... this was like, man. I don't even remember if this was while we had the podcast yet or not. But I remember him reaching out. He's like, "Hey, I really want to play some Monopoly." Oh no, it's pre-podcast. And man, everything in my heart was like, "Ugh, <laughs> no." Um, but anyways, yeah, we had fun. We had fun. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, but when you look at board games, they have they have to come as a complete package. You can't put out a balanced patch like you can with a a video game. Yeah. Um you you don't have the assumption on expansions. So, for example, yeah. Settlers of Catan, I think is greatly improved with some of its expansions, like the 5-6 player expansion or like Cities and Knights are both great examples. Mm-hmm. But those things aren't guaranteed um, aspects of um, like you can't count on people to do that so when you design a board game it has to be complete and so much of a board game even though you can have story based and like theme based things um, a lot of it, it does boil down to the mechanics that players can interact with yeah. there's a lot less like oh I can have fun sound effects that kind of Right, and it's harder like, to... in a video game. You could have just a really pretty looking game that would add to the experience, so mm. you don't need as much like solid gameplay yeah. to like make a good game. And you and you you don't have like the same concept of like affordances. Sure. Oh, funny story about affordances, by the way. Yes. Um, where we were talking about how things pop out. One of our listeners was like. <laughs> I'm noticing them everywhere in life now <laughs> because they are, they do exist. Like a stop sign is intentionally red and octagonal yeah. to get your attention. More. Yeah. What's that called? The, um, uh, oh, I think it's called the, what, I want to look it up. Um, so keep talking, but like he's noticing visual affordances and like how people design things. Um, in the real world, there's some other things where they kind of invert that concept. Mm-hmm. Um, affordances is the video game concept, and I think you're looking up the term that's for just like what it is in real life. But sometimes people use it to hide things yeah. they don't want to highlight, right? Oh, I was just saying specifically, it's called the Bader Meinhof phenomena, mm-hmm. and it's when you learn what something is, you start noticing it more. Mm. Oh, and you, I see, and you I see. think like, oh wow, yeah. I like I didn't know. 
Yeah, one of the things is, like, um, in video games, they try and do stuff to highlight stuff always. Yeah. Um, but sometimes in real life, they invert it to try and hide stuff. Like, if you ever bought chicken and you go to the really cheap stuff, you don't notice that down at the bottom it says, oh, may have water added. Because they do it in, like, kind of the same color they do in small. Yeah. Right? Um, like, it, when you buy the, ch- the cheap stuff is in green packaging. And... So, like, someone I know made the mistake of being like, oh, green packaging, green is used for organic, it must be, like, the good stuff, but sure. it's actually the cheapest, worst stuff. Yeah. You know? Um, so, the inverse of that phenomenon. Yeah. But you don't have as much of that in board games because you aren't trying to get people to realize things as much. Yeah. I'll say that broadly because there is, um, like, some... Stuff like Time Stories or um, some of the escape games out there that are a little bit different. Yeah, I think kind of following your train of thought, one conclusion is that when you design a board game, you deliver the entire product to the player at Mm -hmm. the same time. Whereas in a video game, you I mean, you don't. I didn't play the entirety of Elden Ring when I sat down to play it. There was a lot that was introduced to me over time. But with yeah. a board game, it's self-contained and it has to fit in a box. And all of the elements to it are physical for the most part. Yeah. There's some um, hybrid board games mm-hmm. that have come out where they have like a phone element. Yeah. But because it all fits in a box, you can look at the entirety of the game. You see the end game. You see the beginning. You see all the pieces. Mm-hmm. You see the board. You maybe don't understand how it all fits together, but you get the entirety of it. So when you design it, you're delivering that whole product to somebody. And it needs to fit together really well because unlike a video game where you can have tutorials or you can have stuff to read up on, like when someone reads through the instructions, and normally how it works for me is I read through the instructions and explain the game to everyone else. Yep. <laughs> um, but like... When that happens, we have to then transition immediately from read instructions to play the inter- game, interacting and playing the game. Yeah, and so um, I don't know if this is true of every person, but I've seen it with lots of people and even myself, where it's like you're sitting there and halfway through the game, you're like, "This feels wrong," and you're like, "Oh, I didn't read this correctly in the instructions," or you read through the instructions like oh, here's something I missed when I was on my read-through because I just assumed certain things. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes that is one of those things where complexity can really hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's ways to do complexity simply. And... Um, yeah, I mean, it goes back to what we've talked about with barriers of entry or like mm-hmm. skill floor and skill ceiling. Where with a board game, when someone has to, like, visually parse a bunch of information and then mm. process that, like, with their brain, yeah, they won't just get, like, a text prompt. And mm. board games tend to have somewhat more verbose rules than what you can have in a video game because yeah. it just says, press this button, you do this thing. Mm. Or in the case of longer form games, like Dark Souls, a lot of the mechanics are introduced to you over a very long amount of time. So when you first start the game... You're not, you don't know the entire complexity of everything that's going on to start mm-hmm. with. Yeah, and I think that some board games even pull that off. Some stuff like um, Imperial Assault or like um, X Wing, sure, where the the basic ships have a, the core set of things, but then sometimes other ships will add an additional rule and they explain it at that time because you don't start with the expansion in that game, right? Um, and X-Wing is more of a modular miniatures game yeah, that's where true. you buy a start and then it is kind of assumed that you will continue to buy product when you buy into mm-hmm. that kind of game. Yeah. Um, but I think of something like um, a game I appreciate for its de- design and its simple complexity mm-hmm. is um, Elder Chore. Yeah. And the reason for that is if you've seen it, there's a million parts. Yeah. And there are a million little stories and all sorts of like flavor and stuff. But at the end of the day, it's got a very simple cycle. Player actions, then it has encounters, and then it has like bad stuff happens. Yeah. And it's like this three step cycle. And w- y- you can have these really complex 
it doesn't say, oh, here's how each scenario card breaks down. It's like when you're at a scenario, you draw the scenario card and you read through it and it'll explain everything you need to know Yeah. as you go. And so they do a really good job of taking the complexity and breaking it up in a need-to-know basis. Yeah, right? and very bite-sized chunks mm-hmm. that you can digest and learn and actualize and then move on once you've yeah. mastered it. And they use lots of symbols, too, to say – Hey, this when the, this is linked to, together. So yeah, um, there's an interesting. I don't want to say phenomena because I don't think it's that dramatic, but there's a trend I've noticed when DMing for people, even people who are familiar with the game, they'll ask me basic questions about their class features, mm-hmm. and like they've been playing the same character for such a long time that I'm like, like I'm not mad at them, but I'm just surprised they don't like know it yet. Yeah. you know, and they'll ask me. Like, they're unsure, and granted, I'm the one who knows the most of the mm-hmm. D&D rules at my table, so it makes sense to ask me, and I'll, like, provide clarifications on more obscure things, but I'll have a barbarian, like, forget how much rage damage they have, or I'll have a warlock who forgets to add their charisma modifier to their Eldritch Blast damage, or mm-hmm. I'll have a druid who, actually, the druid's pretty good. But druid, <laughs> druid, yeah, druids are the best. So. Druid requires you to be on top of your stuff to play it well. So well, especially with wild sense. shape. Yeah, it um, maybe I think it's I think it might be the most complex class in D anD D, just in terms of the amount of stuff you need to know. Well, it's crazy, especially like back when you played can, in three point five. Can summon, transform, and then back then you had an animal, animal companion. Yeah, and the way three point five animal companions work is they had. Like, if you did not do a careful reading, you didn't realize this is its own character. When it, like, when you level up, it gets additional hit die. If you don't realize and aren't super familiar with the rules, hit dies are level. Yeah. So I think D&D is, like, an example of something that RPGs in general are, have a very specific thing that they're going after. But in a lot of ways, RPGs... I would say are like these failed board games that are a success in a different way, right? Sure. If you go through and read the rules straight through, you might get to the end and you'd be like, I st- like, how do I do- play? <laughs> it, yeah. It doesn't tell you how to play. Some of them might give like, Oh, here's a beginner scenario to kind of walk there, you through play. There is in the introduction, they go through a few scenarios of play where yeah. a DM describes a situation and then the players decide what they want to do and then the dm like adjudicates it with dice rolls and which is fine for the people who read through those but then like so many people go from not playing to playing immediately yeah like being handed a character sheet and going or like the person like walks them through filling out a character sheet yeah and then later on they're like oh i'm gonna take over as dm and so there's so many people who go to the different references in the books but then like never actually play like never actually read through the entirety of a now yeah. um i don't know that i've ever sat down and read through the entirety of like uh D, but i've read through quite a few other mm-hmm. systems um kind of front to back because with new systems i need to be familiar enough to run them right yeah there's i don't want to interrupt you train of thought read no you're fine um yeah there's a lot of rules i've noticed that if you know enough about D&D, you think kind of seem dumb and they don't make sense until you read other rules that like contextualize them, but are a mm-hmm. bit more obscure or like arcane, I guess. Or erudite was probably a better, they're just, yeah, obscure was the best word. I don't know why I kept adding words, but I, I don't know what erudite means. So it's, it's like something kind of specific that mm-hmm. you would need not to be scholarly to know. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, like, that's the difference between, like, an RPG and a board game, is a board game to play to its completion. It, it definitely has a sh- much shorter frame than a D&D, but, like, um, to play to its completion, everyone kind of has to be on the same page with the rules. Yeah. You can't have, oh, well, you know, I know you didn't read through the entire 100-page book, but... This is how this works. Like, yeah. Um, I've been accused of, oh, Nate, you all of a sudden brought up a rule when it was convenient for you. and It's like you just remembered the rule and that's well, how the game yeah, is Yeah, sometimes played. it's like, this is my first time through. I remember reading this or I went and double checked it because yeah. I was like, I wonder if this does something unique. Or 
my other favorite thing is when it's like, you didn't explain that. When I very clearly remember saying exactly that. Yeah. And it's like, it is frustrating, I think, as, you know, the board game guy. When you read the rules and it's like, okay, just explain it to me and I'll learn as I go. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, you didn't tell me that rule. And it's like, look, man, I can't remember every aspect of this game. There's That's why there's this book full of things. Yeah, you know, definitely. Um, yeah, it's such an interesting thing that with gaming as a hobby, you kind of have to get in. I mean, you don't have to get into it, but education is like, or how we learn is such a huge part of mm-hmm entering and enjoying the hobby yeah of just like learning information and then using it appropriately it you do have to have a willingness to be to be able to learn in a lot of things but i will say that there's video game spaces that you don't have to have a foundation in mm-hmm. i think some of it you 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 if you have a foundation it's easier but if I reflect back on a lot of Nintendo games, a lot of them are supposed to be like new player friendly. Sure. In a lot of ways. Like yeah. Mario, very new player friendly. Yeah. But like board games, you have to say, hey, I'm willing to learn the aspects of this game enough yeah. that I can do it successfully. And even sometimes it's like, or I need to learn enough that I can tag along for my first round through a board game. Yeah. And then be able to play the next time. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes there's an issue because people are like, well, we haven't played that board game in forever and I don't remember how to play. And I'm like, just remember things. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. um, but but it, it really leads into this thing where board games have this very pure distilled aspect of the mechanics are upfront. It's yeah. how I'm interacting. I don't have a lot to obfuscate them at any point because in dnd it's like if it's not important i don't need to tell you about it right yeah in a video game sometimes there's all sorts of visuals and stuff and sometimes also even if you do mess up the rules in dnd you can still be okay yeah, yeah i had a cleric player who like didn't understand how spell slots and domains domain casting worked mm-hmm. to like explain it to them because i didn't realize that yeah. they didn't realize until like fourth or fifth level and then i was like oh, no, this is how it works. So I did that, and they were like, oh. Well, and then, like, I reflect on, um, like, a a video game has, it's almost like it's this really complex contraption that I'm working, I'm in, working with only a part of it, right? Yeah. Like, if you've ever, um, if you've ever played with, like, a, a us versus the board, if you don't play the board right, either the board can be way too strong or it can be way too yeah, weak. Exactly. Whereas like in Mario, the enemies are always handled by the game. So I, as a player, just need to focus on what I'm doing. Yeah. Whereas sometimes like... You have a computer making sure all of the outcomes and all of the player mm-hmm. inputs are handled appropriately yeah. and then whatever happens, happens. Which is, I think, is especially noticeable if you play Magic in paper versus on a computer mm-hmm. especially if you're playing a complex deck with a lot of like card interactions yeah it's a lot easier to just let the computer handle all of the things that yeah, are happening you just throw card you just click card throw it out there and you're like it'll figure it out yeah um and and or if you've ever played a board game that has been has like a computer version and you're like playing with your buddies and it's like oh i roll the dice i move here it gives me cards and like there's games that speed up drastically the sp- the the pace of the oh absolutely um, so but but board games then still have this really um, distilled design element where the choices you make as a designer have to be more focused and more refined than in other games yeah. I think because. Um, the player is handling 100% of the game. Yeah. And so if someone, if it's not clear to players, it, it can it can cause issues because then they're going to get an experience that you're not planning. Yeah. I remember reading a story about a game called Hanabi, which is a cooperative fireworks display show. Sure. And they didn't realize it was cooperative. <laughs> and so then they were like, 
sabotaging each other and, like, causing <laughs> themselves to explode in the game. And being like, wow, this game's really hard and weird. And and then they're, and then, like, they reread the rules and they're like, oh, we're supposed to work together. Oh, oh my funny. goodness. Like, um. I mean, even in sports, you mm-hmm. still have referees and coaches to, like, call rulings on things. Yeah. Um, it's, it. So you have one side that has a benefit, like D&D, where it's got this very negative, or not very negative, very loose hold on the rules. Because if you want to change something or if you mess something up, you can just keep going in the game. And even that is built into the rules. The first rule is the DM has the say and they can change it if they want. On the other hand, you have like video games where the rules are very hard and fast, but the rules are being handled by an entity outside of the game, right? Yeah. Um, and you just have to learn to play within the rules. And then board games, because you're in charge, and because it has to be explained most often through receiving a, a book, a little booklet that says, hey, here's how to play yeah. our game. Um, you know, that's kind of um, an important consideration. Yeah. Um, What's interesting is taking... To me, just as we talk about it, I'm thinking about it in new ways. Mm. But there are certain games that take the experience of necessitating that players understand and enforce the rules and makes that kind of a fun element in and of itself. Um, do you know that card game where you like play certain cards and the rules change? Yes. Um, one's called Muffin Time, but there's another one called... I think it's like Exploding Kittens or something. Exploding Kittens doesn't have a rule change, but Muffin Time definitely does. And then there's one called, like... I think it starts with this. It's like Zork or something. But right. it's not Zork because that's an old text-based game. But it's like some card game where, like, you can play a card and it's like, this is how you win the game now. Yeah. Um, there's another one in Muffin Time. Um, your goal is to get ten cards in hand. Sure. There's cards that literally say, okay, now the first person to have no cards, or like, choose a new number, and that's how many cards you need. Yeah. There's a card in that game that says, restart the game from scratch. Yeah. And, like, um, it's fun and silly, but I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, or you can, because in a board game where you have to deliver 100% of the game, which is arbitrating it, understanding it, as well as playing it, you can add those elements, like we said. Well, one of the things I appreciate, and let's let's bring up a few board game examples of like when these elements are being so interesting, is I really like Scythe as a game. Mm-hmm. And one of the cool things about Scythe... Scythe is like the Russian cyberpunk... Or not yeah. cyberpunk, uh, steampunk, steampunk... Like mech game, right? Yeah. One of the cool things is there's four axes of interaction for the players uh-huh. that can they can lead to, to more decisions than that. But you have, like, four basic abilities that you choose between. And sometimes there's secondary abilities once you progress further in the game. So very early on, I have a very small amount of things that I can do, deal with, and interact with. Uh Which allows me as a player to interact with a small field of things. And then, but they also have all these different victory point things. Right. And so, it is easy to get some early victory points... And then, but your goal is to get to a certain amount by the end. Right. Um, but y- by the time you're like, how many victory points do I have so I can finish the game and win, you, you've you gotten so familiar with the rules, the basic rules, you're like, okay, now I start to see a path forward right. for the things I need to do. Yeah. A game that's spread out over time gives you mm-hmm. opportunity as a designer to create time to teach players the whole game as they go. RTSs are kind of like that, now that I'm thinking about it, because there's typically a slower segment of the game where you're just starting out, where all you're doing Mm. is building workers, and um... That's not... If you're Zerg rushing. Yeah, and then of course there's rushing, which kind of, I guess throws that on its head, but I, I guess in some forms of it, there's a slower period at the start where you're focusing on maybe simpler, more universal mechanics, like, mm-hmm. you know, getting money and building things. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I think 
I don't have a ton of bad examples of board games because I try to only purchase and keep board games in my collection that I think have one very clear explanations, but two like interesting mechanics. Yeah. So I've I've really curated it. So I I don't play a ton of bad ones, but I've definitely seen somewhere I'm like, I don't know that this game has a great core. Right. So like Candyland. Well, like Candyland. <laughs> So, there's certainly a lot of games out there that I think do fail on some axes. The thing is, one of those, when they fail at that, they don't take on. So, like, they, you don't hear about them because that's how you know that they were the failure point, right? Sure. So, like, if, it, if a game was bad... Bad games don't become successful. Like, why would we hear about it, right? Right. You know, which is interesting because... Not to talk about Monopoly again, but I'm going to do it. We know about Monopoly. Monopoly is a widely beloved, popular board game, and yet we don't like the mechanics of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, so so I I was also just thinking about that. Like, there are core mechanics of Monopoly that are not clear or user-friendly. Sure. So, for example, mortgaging a property is one of the most annoying mechanics. And, and the way rent works. Okay. Right. Like, I, I, we've, when we did our, like, how to build your board game collection, we talked about fixed monopoly, Lords of Vegas. Okay. Right. Lords of Vegas, everything is in denominations of, like, one... Like, it's it breaks down to one, but, like, if you think of Monopoly, your, your base is $200. Properties range from, like, $50 to $200. And then... Your rents are like these weird amalgamations of like seventeen dollars, sure, yeah. like thirty-two dollars. Whereas in Lords of Vegas, there's a lot less of oh, you're handing over this amount of money to. There's a lot less of this like weird exchange and like oh, I'm gonna mortgage this property. There's a lot of less of those like false points where um, it feels like the work it takes to play the game is getting in way of continuing to play the game. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. Like, oh, I landed on a spot that charges me $19 in rent. Let me go make change out of my 200 Now i got to talk to the banker. And the banker's always played by somebody, you know? Well, I mean, yeah. maybe other players trust themselves, but... <laughs> someone... Get someone, a different amount of money. We, I've never played Monopoly where just one person's like, I like to be the banker, and I will bank for the rest of everyone else. Oh, really? Have you? You've, yeah. Where someone's like, I'm not going to be a player. Oh, no, no, no. And that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, I always wonder, many things would speed up if we just had one person who's like, I'm not going to play the game. I'm just going to watch the I game. I mean, the banker could be the Monopoly ref, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Which it says something bad about the game where it's like, hey, we just need someone to count money and do math. Like, yeah. But, I mean, I think a lot of the classic Milton Bradley board games they didn't have an eye for how do mechanics fit together. That's why we've had this new surge of games where people are like, hey, we can actually do fun and unique things with board games. Right, and I'd say it's probably gotten easier over time to, if you have a board game idea, to create it because manufacturing is easier nowadays. It's easier to share ideas with people over the internet and receive them from other people and, and learn about these things, whereas... In earlier times, one person would have to make a game by themselves and then market it to a manufacturing company who would then have to market it to yeah. thousands and hundreds of thousands of people to get them to to get the whole thing to be a success. You know, it's interesting because I've kickstarted quite a few things, and I think that's one of those ways. And I always look in a Kickstarter for unique mechanics. Sure. And to be fair, I have kickstarted some things where I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm like, did this game work out? Um... A lot of them do end up working out, but it's like, I wish... I, I don't always get to play them a lot, because uh, just sometimes... Time is limited, and you have a lot of board games. Yeah, and a kickstart, quite a few. Um, I think that might be an interesting one, is like, review board games I've kickstarted. Yeah. Or we could like literally just go through my collection and talk about board games sometime. Because I feel like... That'd that be interesting. I think that could be an interesting one. Yeah. Um, We've kind of done that with a big breakdown one, but um, I certainly have some where I'm like, I don't even know why this is still in my collection. Um, let's see. 
Um, but, like, Monopoly definitely has this minutia that's really annoying. Um, you think of even the game of life, like, if you sat down and said, what are all the aspects of the game of life that make it the game of life? It is, it is a wild game. You're, like, paying a mortgage, you have paydays, you, like, can trade houses, um, at the end you get to choose whether you want to go to, like, the poor people house or the rich people house, like, um... You can buy numbers, you can buy ins like if you played the original one, you like buy fire insurance. Okay. Right. Like they were clearly trying to capture oh, what does adulthood look like? Sure. Which sounds terribly boring. <laughs> um but this spinner's really cool, so at least we got that going for you. Yeah. Um but it's just so Which I wonder if that was a part of the of why it became a widely manufactured board game is because you can market it as this isn't just a fun game that you can bond with your family you can use it to teach your kids about how to be an adult in a fun way and maybe but I mean I, that, that's I, I at don't least think it, I don't think it yeah whether it accomplishes that or not is a different like story. I I always enjoyed life a little bit more than Monopoly because it felt like everyone won a little bit because everyone gets the end of the game yeah um and everyone kind of gets to have, like, fun moments. Yeah. Um, everyone dies. No, you just go to retirement in life. Oh, that's right. Everyone goes to a puppy farm. Um, but, man, there's some weird stuff in there, like all the gambling that can go on on different numbers and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, why is this in here? Yeah. Like, why are... what? And then there's, like, certain things where it's like, if you land on a bunch of these spaces certain things can kind of build up and, and be interesting, but then if you miss the spaces entirely, it's like that mechanic just doesn't matter for you at all. Right. Um, and so, that one's just, oh man, talk about one of the, the convoluted kind of... Yeah. Where it's like, we put in this mechanic because, I don't know, we, we could, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I, I will say a lot more of the modern board game development renaissance from like the mid 90s onwards they've a lot of people have gone back and said okay let's actually examine what is fun what is engaging for everyone what is beneficial to making a complete game experience right yeah and i'd say there's probably a lot more people working on board games now than there were i i mean i'm that's totally just conjecture on my part but I would imagine in an age where you can be exposed to a much wider variety of board game and talk with like-minded people and mm -hmm. just, you know, satiate your curiosity and then some, I would imagine that more people have entered into the hobby or profession of board game creation. Yeah. I actually was talking to a former student. Um, I'm a teacher by day. Yeah. Um, what are you by night? Uh, an excellent podcaster. Okay. Um, <laughs> he was he's like oh I'm, I'm thinking about getting into this I'm like that's great um, I'd love to give you feedback and help you consider like what your path forward is in, in like a board game industry yeah um, but like it is more accessible because you can start a Kickstarter you can you have the ability to print off it's like an access to a printer is way more accessible you have the ability to right. 3d print yeah i was gonna say even a 3d um, printer you can design a lot of things digitally ahead of time and even though it won't be a final design you can do mock-ups really easily yeah and then with our more global economy minus supply chain issues of the past two three years um you know there's a lot of factories that are willing to take on these jobs overseas yeah. Um, I know because by kickstarting, I've seen a lot of the process where it's like, hey, this is where we are in development. Hey, this is where they are in printing stuff. Yeah. And, and doing XYZ things. So. The better machinery gets, because when it first started, each machine would make one specific thing, but I think mm -hmm. machinery is getting more configurable where you can be like, all right, I want to make these things yeah. or that. You'll see the same thing with like t-shirts where you can make a run of custom t-shirts for fairly cheap and then stop there. And obviously it's fine for the manufacturer because they wouldn't offer it if it wasn't benefiting yeah. them enough to keep them in business. 
Yeah, which does help a lot. But there are games out there that are still the bigger games, right? Sure. That still come together. Yeah. And people love to play. And I think a lot of success in board game design that I always come back to is, is simplicity. Sure. And it's not... You can't have a complex game. Because i played lots of complex games. And enjoyed them. But you need a simplicity of interaction and a simplicity of how a mechanic is, is contributing. Yeah, I mean, to go back to Go, which I think we even talked about last episode, maybe, or sometime in the past few episodes, it's a very simple game. You just put a piece on the board. There's like three or four rules governing how you can do that. Um, and then the rest of the game the complexity derives from the strategy that comes from those three or four rules and the goal of the game. And so, you I mean, even if you look at Catan, it's roll dice, get resources, build things, right? Right. And then trading in there. But there is, even in the, the simplicity of the steps I just said, um, how the board is randomized, where the numbers end up, um, depending on, I know some people do it where they do the specific letter one. Some people do it random numbers. Right. But the the tiles that are important are randomized. Um, sometimes the rolls of the dice are randomized. But my core loop of get resources, build things is still there every time. Right. So my my interaction with the game world is, I roll dice, get resources, build things. Which is not more complex than Monopoly, but but or it's similarly complex to the base of Monopoly. But then, like the victory of Monopoly is all about like tiring out people's money resources. Whereas Catan's like, no, we want it to be the first of ten victory points, so we have a clear goal at the end. Yeah. Whereas like in Monopoly, if it was like, oh, the winner is the person who has three Monopolies. Um, or just has the most money when you decide to end or whatever. Yeah, it has the most mo- money at the end of, you know, yeah. once someone has circumnavigated the board ten times or something. Like, that would probably speed up Monopoly in a lot of ways and, like, um, really put a limit on, like, what is what is my actual goal in Monopoly? Because, mm-hmm. like, it, the, the original game, it is... You bankrupt all your opponents, right? Which is exceedingly tedious. Yeah. Of, of of a gameplay, and even if you play by the correct rules, which I think when a player is eliminated, you auction off the, off their properties. So someone has a whole bunch of the money. Yeah. Um, it's when people make all the side deals that really slow down the game too. Where it's yeah. like, oh well, maybe I just excuse you from paying rent on this property for yeah. three times you land on it and stuff. Yeah. But. Um, I it's just you love to hate Monopoly. Yeah. You love to hate it. <laughs> it's funny because I think for people, especially in our generation, um, and I do wonder how board games are connecting to the younger generation right now because they have so much access to their phones right away mm-hmm. that they are engaging in stuff like video games really quickly sure. really earlier that I don't know that they're engaging with board games as much and a lot of their parents their exposure to board games in a lot of ways are those was older? Monopoly yeah because Milton Bradley had the corner on family game night for the longest time yeah and then like I think that when people grew up they're like oh I don't think I actually enjoyed playing those games and now that we have better games my family's family game nights always ended in tears without fail <laughs> I mean, it's just like half my family was never interested, and now my family actually will be like, oh, we should play a board game together. You know, Nate, you always choose good board games. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, we finally came around on this. Yeah, I think because technology is so much more readily available and so is video game-ing just as a Mm -hmm. thing, I think board games can kind of take on a unique special, like, activity because they are analog as I yeah, like to joke but yeah they're it is 
like we've been saying the whole time, a totally self-contained experience where everyone is focused on one thing. So it kind of draws people into the present moment and hopefully creates like good memories. I think I think board games culturally has to reclaim its market share too. Because I think old board games kind of left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths over mm-hmm. a period of time. And then they're like, well, I'm not going to play that with my kids. And so now all of a sudden it's almost like new people need to come in and like bring back family game night. But then like don't bring back the original family game night. Right. So you have to bring in a Settlers of Catan, uh, Takedo. Um, I think it'll be interesting because I have two boys. They're 18 months old right now. Like what order and what games do I introduce them to? Yeah. Because I mean I remember playing chess from and I remember joining the chess club when I was in kindergarten. So uh, from a, a fairly young, maybe yeah. first grade, but from a fairly young age, I was playing chess. Yeah. So, and chess isn't isn't simple. Um, no. <laughs> and honestly, it probably has a failure of. It's got like some complexity that. That. Well, we keep saying that, but like chess is a successful game. It is a successful game. But, and it's. I'm no, I'm not. I'm not disparaging chess. Yeah, just to, by like the, by the standards we were talking about. By the standards we're talking about, it's like it might not be the most accessible. all of them. All the pieces do different things, and the goal is like to make sure that one piece can't move anywhere. Yeah, and also be threatened. And so, I think it's it's a it's obviously a class. It 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 has a, a very. Um, pure strategic yeah which I don't think makes it good for something like a family game night because then you just have that one person who studies all the moves and then it's also a two player game it's also a two player game but it is a very good game yeah um but it doesn't necessarily exemplify everything that we said which might mean because we're talking about how board games are like pure whatever that means but just like really self-contained and apparent and singular and it makes me wonder because chess is a very old game, and so it's well revered in the yeah. I think a lot of people space. get into it by having someone teach them chess. But I do wonder if we, um, I don't know, if you want to say if we had to do it again or if they re-released chess. Yeah, if no one had heard of chess and they released it now, I don't think it would be very successful. Yeah, it'd be interesting to uh, think about for because sure. I think like chess and go come from these very ancient histories where there's like this pedigree there's like these grandmasters there's these larger people who want it to succeed as a greater thing and people who revere it as like there's a proof of intellect there are also games that are culturally connected to warfare which has Mm -hmm. always been important in a state so I feel like politically most governments would support people learning and playing chess or go because it I mean it's it teaches people to think logically yeah. and tactically well it also has no no random chance which I think helps it. sure uh, and so you need a certain amount games without any random chance they could always go the same way so if the complexity wasn't enough to you wouldn't get a new experience every time yeah if you had a game that was easily became a solved game by humans then it just like wouldn't, be, wouldn't be played. Yeah. Like, you it, you can get a three-year-old to lose t- to you in tic-tac-toe all the time, but once once you're, like, you know, a little bit older, and you're like, oh, the secret is don't let them threaten me, you know. In two places. It, it's it's pretty easy to... It, I mean, it's a solved game. It's a cat's game, right? So, yeah, I think that if chess was release now, it might go the way of Risk, where Risk at the time was like, oh, cool, war- warfare thing. But then, like, people are like, man, it's just, like, not fun to roll the dice a ton. And it takes a lot of stuff. So I think that... Well, chess doesn't have the minutia of dice rolling or, like, yeah. money handling and Monopoly. And I think that's where, like, chess maybe has a leg up. Because I think, I think both Monopoly and Risk are... Some people have like these fond memories of them and still have them, but I don't think um, I don't think people are still 
I don't think the market for those games is going to grow, except for the fact that Monopoly has every variety of it. Yeah. You might buy your I think, colleges. I think chess has a lasting community. But yeah. Yeah. I think chess and go will, but I don't... I, I think there's a whole bunch of games that will probably not stick around, or the way they will stick around is through occasionally, like, modifications of video games. Yeah, probably in a few generations, Monopoly won't be on shelves. I, I don't know. There was a brief moment where Battleship released a, a video game version yeah. where there was a lot of, like, alternate abilities and stuff and had, a like, a re-engagement. Which is funny because, like, essentially what happened there is, like, the some people came in and said, how can we make Battleship better? And so they redesigned a whole bunch of things. The core element of, like, pick a spot and then, like, it's a hit or a miss was still there. But then all of a sudden, like, you have some power, you have some alternate abilities. So there was, like, a chance to actually have strategy versus just randomly guessing in a grid pattern to try and get specific ships. Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. That's a game, I think, that is somewhat saved for its lackluster gameplay just by the other kind of composition of it where you have the theme of like you're a naval commander and like you got a fun little sonar ping and it felt like it was intense because you couldn't see their board and they couldn't see your board and every shot that landed you didn't know where it was going to land so it was kind of exciting but original original battleship though has a very problematic cover and if you haven't seen it it's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. It's like, it literally says on there, fun for the whole family. And it's got the dad being like, oh no, you sunk my battleship. And then the son like laughing at the dad. And then the mom and daughter in the kitchen washing the dishes while the boys play their game. Oh, like, no. like <laughs> mom and sister are cleaning up and laughing at them, enjoying things because anyways. Yeah. Um, it's funny. a game out of the 1950s. Uh, yeah. It, Fun for the whole family might have had a different meaning back in the day. Yeah. Um, anyways. I well, think that's all the time we have. Um, I think, I think to better illustrate our points here, and if, if you're a patron and on the Discord, tell us if you'd like to hear this, but like, it might be helpful to do a few walkthroughs of some games that have interesting mechanics and just like how those mechanics are clear. Yeah. Because all we do is sit here and talk about how Monopoly is bad mechanics. But, you know, it would be good to highlight some good mechanics. Yeah. And we haven't done a game deep dive. We've done some for video In a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Question to the uh, listeners. One, would you like that idea? Yeah. But two, um, you know, what, what board game do you think is the next Settlers of Catan? Or just or what was chess. one that was fun for you to both, like, the experience of learning it was fun for you, and then continuing to play it has been fun for you as well, where it doesn't get... I mean, no no game will keep attention forever, but where you've gotten a, a good amount of playtime out of it. I, I thought of another question. What's we'll, that? We'll throw it in. Uh, what is one time when you misread the rules and it changed how the game was? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because... That would be fun. That can lead to some wacky situations. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. So, well, thanks for joining, everyone. Uh, Peace out. (laughs) Peace on down. (laughs) Take care, guys.